Hello. Hey. I'm Alex. I'm Val. And we are here to talk about Season 6A, Episode 3, May Ham. <laughs> did, you want, did you want me to complete your word? May, mayhem. Ham. Ham. Um, yeah, no, so this is kind of like part two of our Kevin Finnerty uh, series. Kind episodes, of, yeah. If you can call it that. Um, so I definitely want to talk about that this episode um for me that's kind yeah, of the most that's memorable it. that's like that's, what, <laughs> well, no, that's what i want to talk about that's it um no there's like some good like i like the stuff with the mob that's going on in this episode too yeah and i like the stuff with silvio um but yeah. for me like this episode like a lot of like the big meanings from the show come out in this ep- like there's in the Kevin Finnerty storyline there's just like a lot yeah that's really key I think to the well it's also introducing the, the end game of the series and I yeah. think it's, it's really introducing these kind of fundamental themes of the show totally for the last season and totally. it's it's kind of dealing with these bigger questions that are really important to the creators yeah and it's an interesting episode because it's almost standalone in some ways you have totally. these kind of like little progressions to who, where characters stand, what their relationships are to others, but at the end, it's not that important. And the Kevin Fenerty th- storyline, when you... It kind of stands alone, too, because we kind of, like, where he wakes up in this episode, I think is a different place, even, than he was before. I don't think that's the same hotel room. So you mm. kind of do have this... Well, it starts to break down a little bit, I find. The story, like, by the time we get to the very end, yeah. and he's approaching that moment with Polly in the room of being closer to death, there's this element of the realism of that world kind of ending. Uh-huh. I mean, even the fact that he has this invitation to the Kevin Finnerty family reunion, I have to kind of wonder, like, well, how did he get that? If he's not Kevin Finnerty and he's just in his room, well, how does he have this invitation to Kevin Finnerty's yeah. family reunion? And even, you know, he's talking, he says, well, what is that beacon? And he gets an answer. It becomes more dreamlike. It actually reminds me to the scene where he has a dream and he sees Carmine Bertazzi yeah. in bed and he goes and picks He's, up the phone and it's actually David Chase talking to right. him. But it's like kind of breaking down the reality in that dream world. But now this isn't a dream world, but it's becoming less realistic than when it started. Yeah, yeah. So the the thing for me is when I think of 6A, I always think of Kevin Finnerty. That's mm-hmm. kind of the part that really stands out for me and me I really love. But it's amazing because in this two-part kind of series in and mm-hmm. of itself these two episodes it doesn't take up that much airtime and in this episode it might even be less there's so much that's going on outside of that storyline i know that's the, the thing there's like, actually I, so many like this narrative developments too, but yeah. in this episode yeah. that are so real and mm-hmm. in the real world like they get money they're dealing with the fallout yeah. of, of giving the money to carmela there's these power I mean, there's struggles silvio is dealing Carmella's with being the boss internal struggles yeah yeah the whole silvio being a boss and thing. yet all this is happening while this other realm exists for Tony. it's really interesting um yeah maybe i don't know do you want to go through some of the stuff from the kevin finnerty storyline then let's first then maybe we can jump into some of the other ones let's do that that sounds great um i think for me like the there's a couple things that really stood out for me um, in this storyline, and I think like it's some of the questions that are asked are really that are really really important, right? So like, you know, he's he, we we see him go to this monastery, which again, so he wakes up in this room that 
I don't think is the same room he went right. to sleep in. Um, so like, where is Kevin slash Tony? Like, and, slash Anthony? Because I do think like that Anthony character is still a different character too. Like right. the American accent Tony Soprano. Right. You know? Right. So I do feel like there are still these three characters. So like, where is this person and who is this person now in this scene? Right. Um, and then he goes, so then like to deal with this summons notice that he receives in his hotel room. Right. By going to the monastery. Um, he goes to the monastery and it's in kind of like a tropical area, which, you know, is a little, I'm not sure what state, what state he's supposed to be in. I well, forget. he's in Costa Meso, I guess, which is in California. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, maybe it could be could in be. California. Could be. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't really thinking about that, but anyways. Yeah. It's in this kind of like lush, weird environment. And he goes there and, and he says to them, I thought you could help me reach Finnerty. So then, so for me, that's really important because when he go when he gets this invitation to the Finnerty family reunion, mm-hmm. which again, like, like you were saying, like I kind of equate that part of like him being really, really close to death, right? He's like going tachycardic when after Polly's talking to him, right. right? And that's when he goes to this Inn at the Oaks for the right. Finnerty family reunion. Um, like, there is something about, like, reaching Kevin Finnerty, like, finding Kevin Finnerty. Um, but also, like, finding infinity. Like, there's that well, that's, pun that's even yeah, referenced in the beginning of, yeah. the, you know, the last episode. Um, and and a, so that, yeah. I think that, like, I just, I you know, the, there's never really, like, a clear cut answer but i i keep trying to kind of think about like so what does that like what does that mean for tony soprano this concept of reaching infinity if that's where like the finity thing is yeah coming from like what does that mean to tony and, and the fact that he like sees his own mother and stuff like that in his reactions like what does that look like for our tony soprano what does that look like for these other yeah. tony sopranos that are in the world too um so that was really important. And then, like, kind of, I guess, like, pr- like prior to that, I guess, um, he we talked last episode about how at the end of at the Kevin Finnerty, we'll call him Kevin Finnerty, um, full name. When Kevin Finnerty, Kevin, um, like, kind of chooses not to make the phone call to his family at the mm-hmm. end of last episode, we were talking a little about that. In this episode, we see he actually does call home. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like, he does reach out to these people. He doesn't tell them the whole truth about it. But he does say to them, like, she says to him, what are you still doing out there? Right. And he kind of explains that it's this lawsuit that's holding him back. And I think, like, that's also kind of confusing to me because, like, when he's ta- again, when he's talking to the monks at that monastery, they're having this whole conversation about, like, someone needs to take... Responsibility. responsibility, right? We're all the same as that tree. There's no. Well, and actually, that you. scene ends by saying we need to find someone who will take responsibility, yeah. and then Tony or Kevin says, "Well, I can't do that." And yeah, then I leave. That I know. Scene. So I think that's really pretty key because at well, that well, moment, that's what. I, so we'll get like hold on one second because yeah, yeah, but like this is what I was. This is just like to keep it in my mind, mm-hmm. like the fact that. Like, that's what he's telling his family, like, the reason why he can't come back. And it does seem like it's about this taking responsibility right. for something. Anyway, sorry. Go into what you were going to well, say. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's very interesting because now Tony's in this situation where 
he's actually explicit. Sorry. I don't know. Tony Kennedy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but he's saying specifically that he can't take responsibility. Yeah. And I think that that's something that's constantly weighing on the real Tony Soprano. Yeah. Is that psychologically he's not taking responsibility for his role in his character. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've been dealing with in psychology throughout the entire show mm-hmm. and that he's been going through with Melfi where he doesn't take responsibility. And that's kind of a window into the fact that he cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And in the, being in this realm, like whether it's California or not, the fact that it's in this Buddhist realm is interesting because it's it's kind of a world that's separate from the world that we've lived in. It's actually very far removed mm-hmm. from the ideology of New Jersey yeah. and that mob. Yeah, it's, we've kind com- of, it's like completely... Yeah, yeah, I mean, we've kind of flirted with Buddhism at different points. Gloria Trillo was mm-hmm. interested in it, and Tony was kind of drawn to her. There's There's been other references, but the ideas of Buddhism and the ideas of one day we will all die then we will be the same as that tree. No me, no you. Um, that's very far removed from the kind of day-to-day concerns and the kind of... Like even just like yeah, vocabulary of the mm-hmm. of the mob, right? Like that wouldn't even be like a way in which they would think. No, yeah. The core tenets too yeah. of, of the philosophy are just mm-hmm. so contradictory. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see him in that space, but he's unable to take responsibility for this issue. What I find interesting throughout this episode of the Kevin Finnerty storyline is like, when he wakes up, we see him wearing this white shirt, white sheets, white pillow. It's like he's framed by white, and there's the use of color at other points. But I feel like he's kind of this blank slate at the beginning of this episode in some ways. And the question is, will he take responsibility mm-hmm. for Kevin Finnerty? Will he kind of become Kevin Finnerty? There's kind of this mystery that's kind of being solved that he's working through. Mm-hmm. And I think is very important to Tony Soprano psychologically. Mm-hmm. So even though he's near death, it's like it's an opportunity and maybe a catalyst for him dealing with some of these psychological issues that he's been dealing with the whole series. So I mm-hmm. find that really interesting. Well, and also like, you know, kind of coming to terms with, I like the, like, he has never taken responsibility for anything that he's done, right? Up until like right. now. And even that kind of like, it wasn't, you know, wasn't like a direct result of his actions that he got shot by Junior, right? But like up until now, he's not paid consequences for things that he's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and who who is going to take responsibility, right? And so in this episode, we're also dealing with like, um, you know, Meadow and AJ, right? Like that they're becoming, you know, Carmela's talking to Melfi. She's saying they're more and more complicit, right? Yeah. Like I think Tony exactly. is kind of like weighing this, like, like, so if I don't take responsibility for what I've done, who, or, or if I don't take responsibility, even on behalf of this other person, Kevin Finnerty, yeah. um, like who's going to take responsibility for my life yeah. if it ends right yeah. like if you know so well, and it's an interesting and, episode, and the guy yeah. like and so also sorry with the guys like you know paying Carmela money mm-hmm. so like, like they're currently taking that responsibility, responsibility but like how long might that last and like what are their motivations behind well, it well then they're sad so, about like, it and what is yeah, yeah they're upset really, yeah they're that really elevator upset. that elevator scene is elevator. so good also I love this is an episode written by Matthew Weiner, yeah. and that's really interesting because he's the one who created Mad Men and the elevator is actually used multiple times in this episode, yeah. which is kind of a precursor to Mad Men because yeah. the elevator is such a potent symbol in that show. Yeah. And we won't go into the symbolism of that show because you could do your, our whole podcast on it, but it's really interesting. Maybe like we one will. of the Maybe, maybe. But, um, you know, even like in the very beginning, it's, it's just really interesting to see a writer kind of formulating these ideas and seeing it come out early. Mm-hmm. But Polly finding the Coke, there's... 
this elevator ring that actually edits out of that scene and then we see AJ and Meadow walking out. Mm-hmm. It just, it really reminds me and brings me into the space of Mad Men where he used these kind of Sounds, innocuous yeah. objects mm-hmm. kind of as symbols for these larger themes, which is why he was kind of such a perfect fit for this show. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. But that last elevator scene is great because it gives us a window into how Vito, Polly and Carmela feel and also the understanding yeah. from Carmela. Of- well, yeah, Carmela suddenly like cluing in being yeah. like oh shit like they're not happy to do this like this right. is not like this is not something that is like from the goodness well of their... i think she's one of the only characters who's like truly connected to tony in yeah. the family i mean meadow probably is yeah um aj is debatable yeah the rest of the mob family i mean it seems like yeah, they're they mostly... don't even know how to be around him really they don't want to be around yeah. him they they act in the wrong ways even at the end you know like they're excited when they say the skip's going to be okay but they're mostly kind of strategizing about how it's going to benefit them the most how they can get away with mm-hmm. spending less money i think it's interesting though because death and the potential for death in the show brings out an opportunity for reflection for characters that we've seen multiple times at this point and I think Carmela is also going through some reflection and having to take responsibility. So this death is kind of a catalyst mm-hmm. for characters asking themselves these deeper questions. So Carmela, I don't know if I loved him in spite of it or because of it. There's this kind of opportunity. There's this kind of moment of real reflection. And, and um, it's interesting because it kind of... This is when she's talking to Melfi in, mm-hmm. no, in the therapy yep. session. But... You know, then she kind of rationalizes. So there's this kind of up and down. She's saying, there are bigger crooks than my husband. Mm. But then it leads to kind of this now what? And it's kind of like what Finnerty is going through. Mm-hmm. Like Melfi points out, well, your kids are becoming more and more complicit. Yeah. You can't shield them. They're growing up. You've made these decisions. Carmela is aware that she knew who Tony was, but her kids weren't. So this this kind of web that she's caught in, mm-hmm. and she's kind of making her way yeah, through that. They don't choose who they're born to. And she's deciding, too, how much responsibility she has in that, in mm-hmm. these moments, which I think is really key right. for her. And it's similar maybe to what Tony is dealing with in this kind of netherworld. Yeah. And, and similarly, like I feel like the other characters just don't care. You know, like, Bobby has these material concerns. He's, like, when, in a fucking panic this yeah. episode. And, you know, and still is in a panic to the point where he's yeah. actually having his health compromised yeah. and Bobby blocks in the EMT or whatever, the paramedic. Yeah. Has he's Bobby like, said he's going to do something drastic before? I feel like he has. <laughs> Maybe. Did he do something drastic? No, but I feel like he's said that line before. It always sounds really funny coming out of that character's mouth for right. me. Because <laughs> even though I know he's, like, a bad guy... Right. You know, who's like... He has model trains. How bad can he be? Well, I know. <laughs> it just always, like, sounds funny coming from his mouth. Anyways. Yeah. I just feel like all the characters uh, in the mob are just, at, at every turn, just kind of showing their cards and showing yeah. how much they don't really care about Tony and how yeah. their relationship we with him is transactional. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's really transactional. And I think the family, there's kind of this opportunity for the show to kind of show one of its other main messages at times whereas that all this shit is so fucked up but the family and these interpersonal connections are kind of all we have and they do have more meaning and weight than a lot of the other things in this world and in life Mm. because they do seem important even the last line of this episode that's got to feel good the simple things and Mm -hmm. is just kind of q-tipping tony's mouth but that's like one of the only scenes of genuine empathy and caring that we have 
and everything is so complicated and everybody's so psychologically burdened with these responsibilities. There's something just in that simple caring that is important. Mm-hmm. And when we're confronted with death and people have the risk of being taken away, I feel like those are kind of important moments where people actually have a connection to somebody and it hmm. means something. Hmm. Because Tony's relationship with all the other people in his orbit doesn't really mean that much when he's about to be gone. He's kind but of like, replaceable. Even ja- Silvio yeah. saying that Jackie was floating the idea of it not being Tony. Yeah. So, I mean, Tony's relationship to everybody and his stature in this world it, there's, yeah, isn't that important. Yeah, it's not deep. It's not that deep. No. You know, like, it's, um, yeah, they're coworkers. I mean, really, they can save yeah. their family all they want. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And yeah. I want to go back to the elevator thing. Yeah. Actually. I like elevators. Um, I was just noticing those of you who have seen the whole series, which I don't know how many of you. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who's I mean, watching it for have, the first time. We know we have some first-time viewers. But, but we know we have some also many-time viewers. Many-time like viewers. Like more, yeah. maybe even more than us. Probably more. Than us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, definitely more than us. Um, but there was a lot of scenes in this episode that transitioned with like a bell or a beep and like the elevator yes. ding, the elevator ding being one of those, yeah. um, sound like, you know, we, we hear the sound before we see the, the scene change Yeah. and, and then we see the results of that sound. And that was happening a lot in this episode. And so it reminds me of the last episode right. where there's a very key bell that rings. Yeah. And has been endlessly theorized about. Um, for me, I don't know, this episode, and, like, maybe we can go into that a little bit more, too, because, like, there is, the again, the beacon, right? Mm-hmm. And this white light that, mm-hmm. you know, he sees earlier in the episode when they're, like, flashing light over his eyes, you know? And then we see this, like, big flash later on when he actually, right. like... We also see it, actually, like, when he gets the Finnerty, um family reunion card he's looking at and then it flashes to light and it also flashes to light when yeah i think there's like some yeah yeah there's a lot of light at key moments um you know so and and there is in the final episode also but definitely in this episode we see these sounds or these i don't know like again i think like for me the sounds and the flashes of light kind of go together they're they're Hmm these markers that we have between these scenes i just feel like they are these kind of um they demarcate these moments yeah. that that are going on, and you were we were talking about the like concept of having like a meditation bell, right? So it kind of like keys you in at these important mm-hmm. moments and makes you pay attention, right? Um, also, it is just like yeah, it's kind of like seeing these vignettes and kind of not having a good grasp of how time has passed in this episode, right? Right. Like there is one funny transition actually where Carmela comes in to his hospital room and says good morning hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the Kevin Finnerty world and he's at the Cosa Mestra bar. Yeah. Um, and it's nighttime. Right. Outside. Well, you can see the beacons in the background. Right. It's nighttime. Um, so yeah, it's just like vague understanding of of time but it does I don't know it does kind of call your attention and we yeah. did see a lot of clocks in this episode too like you do definitely, see a lot of clocks you do see reference to um, the specific time quite a lot yeah um and yeah. Without, I mean it's, it's interesting too I was wondering if it was even worth like commenting on you do see the time a lot it does kind of like hug around the three mark a lot which makes me wonder because like earlier in the show Christopher references this 3am when he goes to hell and he dies 
it could just kind of be connective tissue. It could be coincidence yeah. entirely. It could be just bait. But yeah, it could just be bait, yeah. which is interesting. I mean, yeah. there's all these theories too about three and that referring yeah. to the final episode. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the like solving of a puzzle is just more and more as I watch the show, just not the point. So yeah, I think it's easy to get hung up on no, totally like that, but totally. There, there is a lot of reference to time. You I mean even mm-hmm. to the point where when Tony does come back into the world, we actually see the time. Mm-hmm. And there's been a progression of seeing the clock through previous scenes leading up to that that we have an idea of how long everything has taken, mm-hmm. which is interesting because time has been elusive. Mm-hmm. But we actually see it kind of, I believe, crossing the threshold of three from about like two thirty to three thirty in multiple scenes mm-hmm. of when Polly's there, when he's waking up, mm-hmm. the medical operations. It's interesting because they make that decision to let us know. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that's always like, I, I mean, you can't help but pay attention to something. Like, they made a choice to put a clock in those shots. Of course. You know, like, yeah. it wasn't just like, oh, there's this clock <laughs> here, you know? Like, right. Um, so it definitely, it definitely is meant to call our attention to it, I think. Um, I do love that scene, actually, when we, he's at the bar in, in Cosa Mesa. Yeah. With the bartender. Right. Because it's is kind it of reminds Is it possible I am Kevin Finnerty? Yeah. Well, that's too weird. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and like, and he's actually talking, like, he's talking about some other. Let me just find my note from there. Well, actually, that scene I found fascinating because there's something I noticed this time where he says, My uncle has memory loss, which so definitely ties him to the yeah. true, to the real to Tony. To the real Soprano Tony. Which point. we don't really see. We don't see ever. Right. It's right. really interesting because like, he's saying, am I Kevin Finnerty? Well, he actually just gave some proof that he's the real Tony Soprano by saying that. Right. Yeah. So yeah. that, I found that really interesting. I yeah, liked that. no, I liked that too. And I was like that. It also was very much like how he would talk to Melfi, right? Like he was kind of asking right. him these, he was telling him these like things that have, have gone on, like yeah. um, about his uncle who has memory loss, right? Yeah. Um, you know, asking like, is it possible that I could be Kevin Finnerty? Um, and the bartender's kind of just like, great, dude. Like he's like, <laughs> he's like not paying attention right. to him at all. Yeah. Um, and then it's interesting then that we like do encounter Melfi also in this episode, right? To kind of like, rem- like, I think like going back to like with the Buddhist stuff and everything like that, I think like there is something really deep at our Tony's core that is interested in those kind of mm-hmm. beliefs, right? Yeah. Like there is a reason why Tony is drawn to therapy. Right. Um, I feel like Melfi's brought up Buddhism she has I think yeah uh, I wish I kind of had tracked that a little Trillo. yeah um, but that there's like there is this part of Tony right this like one of his multiple kind of identities I guess who is really concerned with these larger issues and in, in and yet he largely represses them totally and he and but if, I think that's if the he point comes to any understanding he gets scared and turns back and goes right. back to who he, you know, is mm-hmm. at his core. He, like, doesn't want to progress, really, right. I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's, like, kind of spot on. Like, when you get close to death, which he gets closer and closer to death mm-hmm. in this episode, I think, as it goes on, um, maybe you do start to, like, delve more into those kind Uncover of... Uncover those things. Yeah. So, some things I wanted to talk about a little bit further. Um, I don't know what kind of order you want to talk about them in, but... I want to talk more about trees. I want to talk more about, like, we have these two kind of key, I think, key monologues from, well, actually, I think we have more than two monologues. Let me put it that that way. But the ones that were standing out to me were Carmela's when she's 
talking with Tony. Um, or sorry, talking with Melfi. And Polly's when he's talking to Tony. Because mm-hmm. um, Carmela's when she's talking to Melfi is, I think, like some of the deep, like, I think it's almost like as deep as we get with Carmela in some I ways. Agree. Like, I don't know if we ever, if we ever scene. kind of reach deeper into Carmela than we do in that scene. I or agree. like understand She's her very better. honest. Because, yeah, like even her saying like she, you know, um, she knew what was behind everything. She went to her priest and that was bullshit. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting because we only kind of have the opportunity to reach that depth with depth with Carmela when she's kind of a surrogate for Tony as the main character. Mm-hmm. I mean, we probably wouldn't have the space, mm-hmm. be it in Showtime or even just the way that this show is constructed yep. being around Tony Soprano to reach that kind of psychological yeah. realization or honesty or yeah. statement from Carmela at any other time. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like a, I don't know. Like, I don't know, it's like a product of what that, what that's a product of, right? Like, is that a product of just like how they want to tell Carmela's story? Because I do think it is in these moments where Carmela doesn't have Tony to rely on that are the times where she becomes the most kind of bold and yeah. honest, Yeah, I think. Um, when he's there and it's like business as usual, it's a lot harder for her to get that deep with herself mm-hmm. like it's like too present or something like that right. for her um so yeah it is interesting um we talked about you know that that was the whole you know the kids being complicit and um not choosing their who they were born to mm-hmm. um these are really like deep existential issues right yeah. like about again like the deeper the deepest we go with Carmela on like parenting kind of how she views that and stuff like that also um yeah, I don't know. I just, mm-hmm. uh, no, totally. I, but then we have Polly's monologue, which is all about himself, right? Um, and it's in the like, and yeah, and the rest of them apparently have all been just speaking positively to Tony, right? Theoretically, like that's theoretically. I mean, I mean, that's what they're supposed. We know to that do. AJ. Oh, AJ I mean, Polly's Polly's first thing was he looks terrible. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's a great. I mean, it's both scenes, like when Syl comes to see Tony and when. When Polly comes to see Tony, they're both great scenes. Um, but, you know, he's he's talking about himself. He's talking about how he Jock sees strap, himself. Yeah. Being well, at the urologist. Yeah. But he's kind of like, you know, revealing a lot about his self. In yeah, those it's true. It actually too. does become pretty deep. He actually, I think, makes the statement, Do I blame myself mm-hmm. for this life? Which mm-hmm. is pretty unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, this kind of confrontation with death being kind of a catalyst for people mm-hmm. asking these mm-hmm. deeper questions. And what's interesting is that during this whole monologue, Tony's heart rate raises, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like he needs empathy in those moments, and he can't deal with other people being self-absorbed because he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, these characters are incapable of doing that, and it's leading to him coming closer to death. It's mm-hmm. All he needs is kind of like her, like at the end, those, yeah. those simple things, and he yeah. can't get it from anybody around him. Well, and it was making me think, like, why is it that that comes through to Tony? Because like we were saying last episode, like they're playing music for him. Um, we, we know we jumped to a scene with, you know, Kevin Finnerty, and he doesn't hear the music, right? So we, we weren't seeing anything really cross over. This episode, we do start to see some. We kind of see some light that yeah. goes b- between both worlds, mm-hmm. right? Like they're flashing light in his eyes in the real world, and then yeah. it's also in his dream state. Um, but... 
Polly's the first kind of like voice. I mean, it just sounded like muffled noise from another room, but like yeah. that's like the first voice that kind of got through to him. Yeah. Also, right? Um, I mean, later, you know, is that voice when he's at the Inn at the Oaks, that's the child's voice calling him. Is yeah. that Meadow's voice? Maybe. Probably. Probably. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know, like, in t- like if I'm certain about that yeah. or not. Because um, cause I, I have trouble kind of reconciling that that would be the thing that would bring Tony back. Hmm. I, I just actually struggle with actually more, kind of finding it maybe, believable. Yeah, maybe. But I think it's more Tony doesn't want to go into that house because he doesn't want to drop his suitcase. He's distracted by the voice. It maybe raises his concern about where he is and what's going on. Yeah. But I think ultimately he doesn't want to leave his baggage. And that's what the Tony Blundetto, yeah. not Tony Blundetto right. man character. I'm glad is, I'm glad we got to see him. Is yeah, me too. <laughs> but that's kind of what he's saying to him. He's like, You can't take that in yeah. here. And that actually seems to be what concerns Tony. And also that he's scared. Yeah. He says, I'm scared. Yeah. And so I think that that voice maybe brings his attention to something is wrong and this isn't maybe what it seems. And this is a bigger decision than it could be being made out to be. It's not just going in and yeah. saying hi. But I, I think it I think it also goes back to like the like the baggage being the responsibility kind of, yes. right? Cuz it's the fact like he's like he's like I lost my bag, but I have Kevin yes. Finnerty's, right? right? Like um, and so it's like this, like needing to hold on to something like what, who, who are you? Right. Like, or like, yeah, yeah. who am I and why am I here? Whatever the question was last episode. What was yeah. that question? Our religion or sin, death and disease. Really? No, <laughs> that was one of them. And then there was a cross. Who am I? Who are we? Join yeah. the club. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who am I? Where am I going? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Good questions. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew I kind of had it, but like. That he's, you know, we we constantly deal with this, these multiple parts of Tony's identity, right? We have, like, Tony as the mob boss. We have Tony as a father, as a husband, um, you know, as this guy who goes to therapy, um, as this guy who has, like, multiple other romantic partners, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we see him hold a lot of different identities. Mm-hmm. And so giving up this, like, this bag even if it's not yours right, right. like it's something right because right? if if not then it's well, kind of maybe it's it easier to take to responsibility like, for something that's not your own too because tony's in, incapable of that yeah yeah i mean although at the beginning of the episode it's tony saying well i can't do that yeah. take responsibility for for this yeah. thing that the monks need somebody to take responsibility yeah. for so it's complicated yeah but yeah, like without an identity, like then it goes back to like we're all the same as that tree. There's no me. There's no you. Right. Um. I mean, maybe that's David Chase's idea of like what the afterlife is. Like, there's nothing there. There's mm. nothingness. Just nothing. Big nothing. Just all the big nothing. It's um, a, yeah, it's interesting how it's depicted too in that in on the Oaks because for those who have seen the show before, I've always felt that there's a, a relationship between that in on the in that building and a building that's depicted on the mural in the last scene at mm. Holston's. Hmm. I kind of wondered if it was kind of simulated on that mural, which the team built mm-hmm. for that scene. So again, talking about nothing is mm. coincidental. Everything no. is decided. There, There is kind of a, 
Yeah, it's also like in some ways it's it's similar in ways to the house that Tony goes to in Calling All Cars in his yes, dream in that where one. Lydia's walking down the stairs. Um, we have like a, it's like kind of like that elevated porch kind of, like we have the same kind of viewpoint. And even actually the it. house where he kills Tony Blundetto mm-hmm. on the porch. There's a relationship kind of between all yeah. these places. They're yeah. all very right. similar. Yeah. Which is interesting because those these are... kind of like farm homes. Like they're like yeah. not... Yeah. It's interesting that there are important places in Tony's life where important events happen and then they become important mm-hmm. environments in his subconscious where he wrestles with these things. Yeah, absolutely. The trees blowing in the wind, I think, are another very strong indicator of the kind of relationship to the afterlife that we've been talking about all the way back to season one. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of staying strong with those symbols. There. Yeah. I think it is like eternity or infinity or mm-hmm. whatever. Like it's finerty. kind of Kevin finerty <laughs> to finerty and beyond. <laughs> um, like these trees. Yeah. Like it's like, I don't know. It's like, they're bigger than they're bigger than the rest of the characters, and they well, just nature keep, they too, just keep right? moving. They just keep kind of like whispering and moving, and um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something. Well, and it's. I mean, I almost forget because season one seems like so long ago. But we talked a lot about nature and trees and greenery and wind and these kind of natural elements forces. But yeah. there is something that's more timeless and above the responsibility of humans that yeah. comes from that realm. And it's interesting to see Tony move from that realm to the world. And it's kind of imperfect. And he comes back into the realm and space where all these people have all these imperfect issues that they're kind of trying to deal with, with all the other characters that we know in imperfect ways, with imperfect outcomes, leading to Syl basically falling apart, unable to deal with these things. That's the world that Tony somewhat chooses to come back to Mm. or ends up coming back to. It's, it's very different than that natural, supernatural world. You know, it isn't clear for sure mm-hmm. that he chooses not to go into the house. It's true. I was and thinking that. Because he says, they're all waiting for you. And, they were, and his family was, And he was, actually looks right? in like, to see the light. And he says, your family's all waiting for you. Tony's like, whose family? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but it's true. Like his family was all there waiting for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I you know, I think he doesn't choose to go in there personally. That's always well. But it's, it's interesting because they kind but, of imply but they that, it, but they, yeah, it's ambiguous. Yeah. And actually, he is really kind of like peering in, and then the lights getting brighter. Yeah. That's that's the thing too, that's right? The thing. It, like in that place, like the house was all bright on the inside, and then we get this voice yeah. and this light, and that's the thing. Like that's why the voice, like the child's voice, to go back to, I guess where I started this tangent, but the child, like I just don't really believe that child's voice, that Meadow's voice. Like I don't know, I I can more see the motivation behind him going into the house than I can him turning back. Hmm. It's hard. It's just hard for me to like figure out why he would do that. Interesting. Like what it was actually that was calling him back. I can't quite figure it out. That's just me. I think it's a fear actually of letting go of. Yeah. Of, I think it's it's out of fear. Yeah, I don't. Actually. Yeah, I think it's a, yeah, I think it's more out of He's fear of going to that place than it is that something in particular is calling him back. Though. And maybe in in some ways, like if that suitcase represents his responsibilities even if he's shirked from taking responsibility for his actions his whole life he's not ready to abandon them mm-hmm. and, and put them on depart from them and leave mm-hmm. that world yeah. and just move on yeah. i don't know if he's 
ready for that. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. So it's yeah, interesting. You need to let go. Yeah, Steve he's not Buscemi. he's not ready Steve for Buscemi that. Says. That's a Steve Buscemi quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you know, Steve Buscemi always says. As he's always saying that. Yeah. You need to let go. <laughs> you need to let go. Yeah. Steve Buscemi. <laughs> um, we also have, we get, this is, I'm going to jump really just far right now. Do but it. We Go. also have the introduction of the best film within a film. Cleaver. Love it. Yeah. Um, ever. Love and, that and I forget that we actually like get the full synopsis in this episode right. for some reason. I feel like we get it a little later. Um, actually, or, that's another monologue. It's Chris's. It's monologue. it's another. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, I knew there was another one, and I was trying yeah. to. I was trying to take note of them. Yeah, Chris has this monologue of the whole story of Cleaver, right? Yeah. And so we see, like, which is like, it's it's interesting that that whole thing is happening in this episode as well, because I think it's kind of like, um, you know, one way in which people deal with these like questions, like life questions, is through art, and I think like having Christopher try and like deal with clearly lots of things that have gone wrong for him in yeah. his life um, and put them into this film. We see how closely, like we can see his, yeah. you know, we can like psychoanalyze the writing of the script mm -hmm. um, pretty easily, right? Like why right. Chris would have these ideas mm -hmm. in his head. Um, but this is the way that he's kind of dealing with it. It's actually another part of this episode that it's funny, like, I don't really buy that Chris could actually like I don't I just don't see anyone being like yeah like your mob stuff like put it on the back burner for a bit and like make a movie <laughs> like I don't see anyone really like they have all the investors quote right. unquote there that like that seems a little surreal for me also it's also well really I guess funny. it wouldn't have happened if Tony was I guess around I, I mean guess. that's the reason is that reason. what it's like well yeah I mean implying. He's, yeah, I think he's but doing it because does Tony's he go not there. Forward and make the movie. We'll have to see. <laughs> we can talk about that in future episodes. But I mean, no, I think Christopher, he's being very opportunistic. I mean, the fact yeah. that he even brings this up and he's talking to Tony when he's a vegetable. And then he says, "All due respect." All due respect. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it just shows. He, I think he would be afraid to confront Tony on that issue because he knows that he wouldn't support it. Yeah. He hasn't supported it in the past. Why yeah. would he support it now? Yeah. So. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's but just, I think Cleaver sounds like a great. Well, I like it better than Pork Store. Pork Store Killer. Pork Store Killer. Yeah. Good job, JT. Yeah. I loved actually the way there was some really interesting kind of direction and uh, camera work when they show JT. He's mm -hmm. up high in this building. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving cameras. It's very kind of dramatic. He's even like up high on a above, stool, kind above of above the city, up high yeah. on a stool. It's this kind of like elevated statures this kind of yeah he seems like he's doing okay he seems like he's doing okay and he's also talking about concepts in a more kind of like haughty kind of way. esoteric yeah. way and it's interesting because he's actually brought down from this tall building into the car and the way the camera work changes it's not moving around now we see chris kind of dominating the frame pointing into it yelling into it lower angle kind of making chris look more imposing pointing right at us there's this kind of menacing nature that also kind of reflects the film ideas that he has yeah. and his identity as a writer. Yeah. Which is bad. But <laughs> but we see kind of a contrast in the way the two writers are depicted. Yeah. Which is great. I, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. No, I like that too. Um, I mean, welcome back, JT Dolan. Hey, JT. How's it going? Um, <laughs> sorry that you have to still be involved with these guys. Yeah. It's really too bad. He um, seems to... <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, then we do have Chris... You know, in with Tony at the end of the 
ep- like right as Tony's near the end of the episode. Yeah. You know, after Tony's woken up. Um, and that's kind of a mo- like his, the shift in him in that monologue from um, the beginning to the end is really great, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, actually, all due respect, I think you owe this to yeah. me, right? Because of Adriana. Um, and we can see that this is something like that still impacts him. He still like is mad, I guess, about Tony being in the car with Adriana that time when they had the car accident. What episode was that in? Uh, irregular around the margins. Irregular around the margins, yeah. Ooh, putting, um, me on, putting me on putting me on yeah, spot. I knew you, I knew, <laughs> you, I knew you had it. I knew you had it. <laughs> um, and like you know, because he says like the boss is sleeping with the fiance, right? Mm. Um, and so like he still has this kind of like hang up about that. But then we also see that you know like his his hang up that you know he's like you owe this to me because I told you about Adriana, right? That this was something. Um, like there was not a fair exchange in that um, mm. in that interaction, right? So it goes back to kind of like that being Which transactional is thing. Fascinating too, because I mean the the narcissism to kind of think that this has something that these guys have something due to them. Yeah. In that tra- yeah. transaction. In the transaction of killing of someone. Killing Adriana, a human yeah. being is who is your partner. Yeah. Pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. What else have you? What else have you got? I, I, mean, I think I have of, like some little things. I'm. I mean, I'm, there's some like kind of minor windows into different characters. I mean, we've talked about Vito and Polly now, but right. there's like, you know. Well, I was also gonna say, with same kind of similar to Bobby, whenever I think about Vito, like outside of you know in my spare time yeah. when I'm thinking about Vito, yeah, when you're just chilling and being about like Vito, Vito, Vito. Um, what's he all about? Um, I also like have this like weird like. Like like Vito is this positive character mm. without giving any spoilers, like because of how how his you story... reflect on Vito when the show is over. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like he his his story arc ends in a in a way in this in this show that kind of leaves you looking back and being like, oh, he was like a good guy. Yeah, and he's fucking not. He's like terrible. He's and terrible. He's so awful. The way that Trying he pays remind... for the coffee. The way that he pays for I know. the coffee oh, for Carmella so to kind of gross. get him. It's yeah, brutal. I like. I need to remember that more when I'm thinking about Vito. That happens a lot. You're always telling me how you're <laughs> thinking know. about Vito. I'm just like thinking about Vito. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, you were going to talk about something. Um, <laughs> just Vito. I was just thinking about yeah. Vito. <laughs> oh, also that Vito and Phil Leotardo are cousins. Right. That part's a little. It's a little funny for me. It's a it's little okay. again. They like need it for later. On no, season. but again, like it's one of those things. that's like kind of like the surreal aspect of some things, like getting into our actual episode. Like there are there are things that mm. happen in this series that are like you're like really. Maybe they just needed some help too in like tying everything together Tying and making it, it a little more organized. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's I a, guess that's so. okay. He also gives. Speaking of Vito, I have a lot to say about Vito, I Vito. guess. Vito, wow. Vito, you're um, always thinking about it. Sorry. Um, he also gives Finn that really weird squeeze on, weird slash intimidating squeeze on That's the weird. arm. Um, poor Finn. And Meadow's just like, he's harmless. Like, Meadow does not give him any sympathy right. on that. Like, he's being traumatized yeah. by Vito. <laughs> like, like, that's scary. It's really scary. He didn't want to see him giving a guy a BJ. Like, he didn't se- he didn't set out <laughs> to see that. It wasn't no. his fault, you know? No. And now he just has a creepy Vito. He was just partying on the beach and wanted to sleep on the yeah. construction site. It's really, it's really creepy. It's not good. It's not good. 
Uh, we have kind of the evolution of Syl as a leader in this episode. I mean, these scenes of him talking to Gabriella, him looking at himself mm-hmm. in the mirror. We have that long scene of him on the toilet. Right. <laughs> the question, I guess, is kind of how does he see himself? Mm-hmm. And it becomes clear that he doesn't see himself as occupying that space. No. Yeah, he like doesn't have the... I don't know if it's like confidence or... Or the interest. Or, interest or, yeah. Or the like, composure, to the, you know, the or, personality or, to deal with all these issues. Or to, like, like to take responsibility for issues, right? I think that's the thing yeah. we see here, like, right. going back to, like, taking responsibility. Like, Definitely. Um, he's in a panic when he has to, like, make these calls between the guys, right? He doesn't want to be the one who gets the backlash for that. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't come down to him. Yeah. In other circumstances, it comes to Tony. Yeah. You know. No, absolutely. It's interesting because I mean they flesh out, um, flesh out, flesh out, <laughs> flesh. Flesh. It's flesh. like it's like fleshing flesh. out. Like you're like adding, like when you're sculpting something. You're right. Like, you know. Oh, okay, cool. That's what he's doing. Yeah. So they kind of do that to him as a character. Yeah. <laughs> Which they haven't had that much. It's like you put I mean, skin on the skeleton. Flesh. You know, you like flesh it flesh. out. You flesh make it out. real. Well, Silvio gets fleshed out, which yeah. is good. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, we haven't had that much of a window no, into we who don't he know is. Him, really. yeah. And that's what happens, I guess, when Tony is gone. We have an opportunity. Right. Yeah. Um, um, Barbara is there. Mm-hmm. That's good. I love, I love this. I mean, I love the show so much, obviously. Do you? <laughs> Do we? <laughs> yeah. Do um, like I love that Barbara is just always kind of in the background. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. There's like this third soprano, and even Janice is pretty, like, we like don't get too much more insight into Janice these days. Like, No, not at um, this point in the show. You know, um, but Barbara, we just like don't get anything from her ever. It's yeah. It's great. It's amazing. It's We don't know anything well, about cause her. Well, because she separated herself and, from yeah. this orbit, so yeah. it's just not really something that's going to happen. I like how, I mean, Polly and Vito, how quickly they turn on Carmela out of self-interest. It's crazy. I mean, especially Polly with mm-hmm. the amount of history that he has with Tony mm-hmm. and Johnny. It's pretty wild. I mean, him saying, fuck her, princess of Little Italy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the characters are really not concerned with the well-being of the Soprano family no. at all. They do, they do not care. And even though they say it, right, he's like, well, I would want someone to do the same for his mother. And, yeah. you know, Vito says about his wife, whatever his wife's name is. Right. Um, like they would, they would want that for themselves, but they can't do that for right. other people. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, and so it is this, like, it's this, like everyone's in the position where it's like, they want to be able to just like take and take and never have to give. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get, so just yeah. to go back to Vito. Yeah. There's a scene of him angrily eating carrots because he's on <laughs> Baby a diet. Carrots. Baby carrots. Baby carrots. Mm, baby Sorry, carrots. I, I was just thinking about Vito. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Now I'm just thinking about baby carrots. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, without getting too much into it, I did notice an interesting use of color in the hospital mm-hmm. that kind of linked things back to the early seasons. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that I have kind of a grand theory for right now, but just kind of remarking on them. First of all, going back to the very first episode of the pilot, there's kind of an attempt to create these blue and black environments related to healthcare, mm. which I think... It, really is is actually kind of dealt with in the first episode and we've talked about a lot in the first season in particular with Jackie being in a hospital environment the hospital again is a very very blue mm-hmm. 
kind of world. Yeah, that everyone they, wears that they blue. And, yeah. There were some interesting decisions that they had. I mean, Carmela kind of shifts what she's wearing throughout the episode. It does actually kind of evolve into incorporating more blues, but she actually wears these kind of strident yellows. Mm-hmm. We see Meadow also covered in green quite often. Mm-hmm. And they, they're very, like, strong statements of color in mm-hmm. an area where it's Carmella blocking, is yellow, yeah. Yeah. area is blue, Meadow is covered by green, which is interesting because obviously blue and yellow makes green. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's something there. I mean, I don't know if I want to get into theories of what everything means because, again, no. like I was saying earlier, like, it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of like a pitfall that can exist with this show because mm-hmm. I think you can just kind of stretch too far and it's interesting and yeah. I've definitely been guilty and of doing beautiful. it. But and it is and yeah. it's you know, but at the same time I don't know if I feel confident enough in any reading of that to come up with something other than the relationship of that health caring environment to the beginning of the show mm-hmm. and what that brings out of characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the the kind of caring environment where somebody requires care and requires attention, mm-hmm. both in a kind of immediate physical sense, but also in an emotional sense, is interesting in terms of what it brings out of the characters around them and how we get insight into the characters themselves. Yeah. And so at this point, it kind of relates Tony to Jackie for me. Yeah. I mean, even the fact that Syl brings that up, there's kind of a relationship yeah. between those two times of the show. Yeah. It's just something I was thinking about. Yeah. I just have to say that when we were watching the episode, yeah. we were commenting on the colors. You were thinking colors. about Vita? No, oh. but we commented on the colors. And then you said, you said, I don't care about that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I, I'm over it. and I know that you do, in fact, care very much about the colors in this show. Mm. Yeah, but I'm over it right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't care. Done. I think we should go back Next. and revise all our previous episodes mm. and take out all your all There's your talk about color. Then, well, I had a lot to work through, yeah, but yeah. it's it's there. It's all there. Yeah, it's all there. Give us your theories. Email us. We love hearing from you. Yeah, we're back now in part because people emailed us, and then <laughs> we felt bad. Yeah, <laughs> because some people thought we weren't okay. <laughs> it's also, I think, like at least there is a part of it for me where it's like we're almost done. Yeah, and I kind of like don't want to finish doing it, <laughs> but I do. But I don't. Um, it's a weird feeling. So. Right. Well, but they, it's summer, so it's summer. It's yeah. uh, it's fun. It's fun to do them. It's fun. Well, <laughs> well, we still can. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We appreciate it. And. If you enjoy the podcast, you can always rate it on iTunes. Helps people find it. We appreciate it. Yeah. And send us an email. Our email is in the description. And we'll be back soon. We're going to keep on going through season six. See you then. (laughs) No. You won't see them. (laughs) Oh, oh, right. I I won't see you. Yeah. Unless you find us in New York. Yeah. Well, that would be be weird. Okay. Probably. Or cool. Or cool. All right. But weird, too. Okay. Bye. Bye.